Hey there, welcome to Savor Food and Body, a podcast about intuitive eating, body image, food and cooking, and helping middle-aged women live vibrant, healthy lives. I'm your host, Amanda Bullitt, an ex-disordered eating athlete turned anti-diet nutrition counselor and body peace promoter. I spent years literally running my body into the ground trying to keep up with health, wellness, and beauty trends. Fast forward past many failed attempts at controlling my weight, years of recovery work, and here I am today. Enjoying a trusting relationship with food and my body and helping you do the same by savoring food in your body. You won't hear any diet talk here, just heartfelt, supportive conversations with a little middle-aged sassiness on the side. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Savor Food and Body. Today I'm going to be talking about how satisfaction, finding satisfaction with food can really help in getting to know when you might be using food to cope with emotional distress, for example, stress and anxiety, and not from the negative diet culture version of like, hey, don't, don't emotionally eat, but helping you to understand why that happens and how it ends up tying to finding satisfaction in food. Today, this topic felt really important because it really was been coming up a lot in my client sessions. And I thought that it might be helpful for you as listeners as well. So this idea of can eating candy really reduce stress and anxiety? It sounds pretty crazy, doesn't it? And again, this ties to what might be satisfying about that candy that could help reduce stress and anxiety. You could, of course, replace candy with any other food like chips, cookies, ice cream, sandwiches, any and all of these foods have helped pretty much most of my clients feel less stress and more calm in their bodies at one time or another. And I know it sounds crazy and wild, especially coming from a dietitian. And so before you push, stop listening, hear me out on this, literally. But first I want to review a little bit about hunger and how that ties to satisfaction. Finding satisfaction with food and unpacking why certain foods are more satisfying than others. To do that, we really have to look at hunger and fullness a little bit first because they play a big role in finding satisfaction with food. So this might be a little bit of a review from other episodes or maybe what you've learned from some other resources on intuitive eating. If you're mildly hungry when you decide, when you're deciding what to eat, you're more likely to figure out what food sounds good based on sensory cues. You might be thinking, oh, this Uh, Mexican flavors of food would taste really good right now, or Italian flavors or curry flavors or whatever. And, oh, it's kind of cold outside, so I think I'd like something warm texture-wise. And this is going to come into the part about using chips or candy for emotional coping. Texture seems to be the biggest piece with this. So thinking about, oh, I want something crunchy or smooth or creamy or chewy that quality of the food could sound more satisfying to you in certain moments than others. But if you aren't hungry when you're trying to when you're deciding to eat and you decide to eat anyway, maybe as a way of coping with stress or other difficult emotions, you're less likely to notice whether or not 
the food and the eating experience is satisfying, except for maybe one quality of food. So like I said, texture can be a a thing that is easy to notice here and maybe why you chose to eat that food in the first place. So it's more likely that your mind will be more focused on those emotions or what's causing them than what sensations the food is actually giving you. And I want to make a, an important note here that there are times when your hunger signals are going to be offline related to stress, illness, travel, emotional turmoil. It's still really important to eat regularly, even if it's not the most satisfying experience or it just really is hard to find the exact right food that's going to sound satisfying. Because consistently nourishing your body is how you maintain a trusting relationship with your body, especially if you've had years of trying to manipulate food and your body through following food rules or different diet wellness plans. So your body needs to trust that you're always going to feed it, even if it's not going to be the most satisfying experience. So that's just a little side note. If for whatever reason you start eating when you're super hungry, you're ravenously hungry, your primal drive for survival will overshadow your ability to objectively figure out what food sounds good. And at that point, your body is in a primal state of feed me now anything and everything. Pull up a chair to the fridge or the pantry and start feasting. And this is exactly what's happening when you've been eating based on food rules, and then you find yourself binging on foods that maybe have been off limits based on those rules. It's really a physiological primal response for survival. It's not your fault. It's frustrating to go through, but it's 100% normal, expected, and necessary to eventually help you find satisfaction with food in your body. Becoming aware of and honoring your hunger cues really is a fundamental practice with intuitive eating and getting back to your intuitive roots with food. And so is finding satisfaction with food whenever possible. Learning to find satisfaction with food from an anti-diet perspective is a critical part of recovering from years of chronic dieting and body shame. And again, it's, it's nuance too, which we're going to dive into. So how do you even define satisfaction with eating when you've been told for years from diet culture that pleasure and satisfaction with food are indulgent or sinful or decadent or, oh, it's okay only one time a year, aka during the holidays? It starts with identifying your sensory desires. So for example, like I mentioned before, what taste would sound good to you in a moment? Are you looking for something sweet, savory, salty, spicy, buttery, rich, maybe more bitter, tangy, tart, smoky, and kind of that umami flavor, mild, bold, bland, like all these ways that we can think about taste. What taste do you want to experience? Texture, smooth, crunchy, crispy, Dense, flaky, mushy, sticky, dry, moist, light, gooey, greasy, whatever the texture might be that will really satisfy you in the moment. And again, like I said, this texture piece, I find that that's the quality of food that is most helpful when we're looking at food for emotional support. Whether it's smooth and creamy for comfort or it's crunchy and crispy for noshing out frustrations or maybe even chewy, 
so it's this texture piece that seems to get tied into our emotional coping, like with stress and anxiety. Another quality of food that you might be tuning into to, to decide what might be satisfying is smell. Sweet, savory, toasted, pungent, like stinky cheese. It's That's that umami. Flavor, but probably how it smells. Fresh, like spring grass or new lettuce greens or herbs. And then temperature, too. And right now when I'm recording this, it's December. It's our first day of some serious snow in northeastern Oregon. And so it's cold. So temperature and thinking about what to eat or what to make for dinner tonight. I'm thinking a lot about warm and comfort type food, warm, maybe spicy, roasted, but definitely warm for the temperature. And plating is also another important part when we're trying to decide what's going to seem satisfying to us with food. So how the food is presented either on your plate or maybe at a deli counter where you're making your selection from and you're looking at a full bowl of something versus it looks like it's the bottom of the barrel, that is going to also help you decide what might be satisfying in that moment. Because this we're talking about the volume of food here too, seeing a little food or a lot of food can trigger desires or restrictions based on your mind's eye. And this is where some past diet mentality can creep in or even diet rebellion, trying to convince you that what volume of food you need to be satisfied is one way or another. You need more of it, you need less of it, or more of it would seem scary, so you better eat less of it. But again, taking a pause and noticing, is that coming from what your body is truly desiring or is there any diet mentality or diet rebellion thoughts wrapped into that? So that's just a note of caution when we're talking about plating. Your eating environment also has an impact on whether or not you'll feel satisfied with your eating experience. For example, are you distracted by desktop or dashboard dining? Are you able to eat in a calm atmosphere, such as out in nature or with some gentle music on? That environment piece is going to affect, one, are you able to even slow down and pay attention to your food? If it's a less stressful environment, hopefully yes. And if it's more it's stressful or you're on a time crunch, then yeah, you're probably not going to be able to check in and see if you're feeling satisfied with food. When you're trying to figure out what type of food sounds satisfying to you at any given moment, also bring awareness into any food policing or diet mentality thoughts that may come to mind. And you can simply notice the thoughts without judging them. Just be really curious about them. Because again, you've had that food policing diet mentality for probably most of your adult life and even on into your teens and how you address those thoughts with curiosity might be something like this like huh that's interesting I wonder why I'm being super judgy about whether I want a sweet food right now or whether I want something creamy and rich like what's that about why am I judging myself for desiring a certain type of food or a quality in a food and you can answer that by, oh, I've been told that creamy foods lead to weight gain or sugary foods are going to harm my blood sugar or whatever. So, But having that pause and asking yourself those questions just with curiosity, that can be a big key part to being able to just 
work with the satisfaction that you desire and not let the food diet food police or the diet rebel run the show. If you're like many of my clients, you may have already worked through the stages of making peace with food, honoring full permission with all foods, and are working on transitioning from the fuck it eating phase that they affectionately call it, which is the phase where you're eating all your previously forbidden foods all the time, 24-7. You might feel out of control at times and euphoric at times. And that's what they what we consider the fuck it eating phase. But you may be coming to the end of that phase, and now you're looking to learn how to move into more a body-respecting place and even how to use gentle nutrition to help you define and meet your health goals and working on the satisfaction piece with food, bringing in that curiosity around why you think the way you do about being attracted to certain foods for satisfaction. That is all kind of fundamental questions to be asking as you move out of fuck it eating into body respecting and gentle nutrition. So that comes up quite a bit when I'm working with folks. Like I said, you may experience the diet rebel voice trying to convince you to override your satisfaction by continuing to eat beyond fullness because, hey, you're not on a diet anymore. You can have as much candy as you want or insert whatever food. And the diet rebel voice is really working on that other side. It's really working in that fuck it eating stage. But here's the thing. When it comes to satisfaction, again, we're talking about the eating experience as well as the quality of food. And we're also talking about maybe the post eating experience. So while taste satisfaction is essential, and that's where those quality, those sensual qualities of the food come into play. It's also satisfying to not feel sickly full after eating. It's satisfying to be able to be in the moment with your food in the uh, peaceful environment or with friends and good conversation and just be with your body. It's satisfying to be able to make food choices based on your unique body's needs at that time. So when we come back to thinking about kind of the really big picture of satisfaction, that can be helpful to talking back to that diet rebel voice that might be encouraging you to stay in the fuck it eating stage. If finding satisfaction seems like a total shot in the dark, I invite you to go slow and know that learning to find satisfaction with food or even figuring out what foods sound desirable or satisfying at any one time, it takes time. If you've been in a manipulative relationship with the food police and food rules and the diet rebel for a very long time, those judgy and rebellious thoughts about food aren't going to go away overnight, and that's okay. This isn't meant to be a linear process of healing. It's not meant to not recognize where maybe some of those thoughts were helping you in the past. It's just meant to mean that this is a practice that evolves over time with plenty of compassionate curiosity and trial and error. I have an individual story to, to share with you here. So thinking about a quality of food, and I'll just, you know, use this example um, for myself. So uh, for me, a quality food that was, was really satisfying was crunchy, just able to nosh out some frustrations and 
chips were always a big part of that. But I was told when I was growing up and even as an adult and especially as a nutrition professional, like chips aren't healthy. You shouldn't be eating too many chips or they're going to make you gain weight or yeah, they're not healthy. You should be choosing celery sticks or carrots instead of chips. But when I think about you know, unpacking, like, what is it about the chips? It doesn't really have anything to do with the lack of nutrients or the excess salt or the crunchiness or anything like that to cause me to not want to eat them anymore because there's another story behind those chips. The story is it reminds me of camping and it reminds me of summertime hiking season and being outdoors and sitting next to a, a creek and looking at this beautiful scenery and enjoying a salty, crunchy snack like chips. Uh, it reminds me of camping with my family growing up. And that's that was the one time where my mom might allow chips, like real chips, not the baked tortillas made into chips with no salt and no fat. We would have those all the time. But to have the real deal and real chips, it was part of a fun experience too. So when I think about if I'm working on a project and I'm getting a little overwhelmed, stressed, bored, I find myself being attracted to the crunchy, the salty, and a lot of it comes from those qualities of the food being satisfied and the memory of when I used to eat those foods before I was this busy online professional doing work and projects, it was part of being a, a really happy time and doing in an activity that I really enjoyed and being around people that I really enjoyed. And so when life is getting tough or challenging, it makes complete sense that I turn towards the quality of those of the foods that I remember from a calmer, more peaceful time in my life. So I think that that's a helpful example. And like I said, you could replace chips with anything. You could replace it with uh, chewy candy or a creamy ice cream, or and it doesn't have to be sweet. It can be savory too. I see that back and forth within my clients as well. But it just takes that slowing down and asking yourself like, gosh, why why is it hard to not eat as much candy as I would prefer. Like I have nothing against the candy. It's there to serve a purpose and it's delicious and fun to eat. But if someone is in a place where they're feeling like, gosh, it's like, this is really going to bother my blood sugar. And I really want to move past the kind of fuck it eating stage with the candy, the chips, whatever. Sometimes where that noticing what's satisfying about those foods is helpful is it's getting to the nitty gritty of like what else was going on when you would eat that food in your past that was a happy or helpful time. So my experience was I was thinking about happy memories of hiking and camping, but for some of my clients, it might be a certain food with a certain quality about the food was satisfying and helped them deal with emotional distress like anxiety and overwhelm because of their toxic family situation or trauma that they were experiencing. So when they could get their favorite food 
and sit in a peaceful, calm place to eat it, they got a sense of calm. They got to be away from all of the trauma that they would normally be dealing with within their family situation. And they just got to relax and be with this food. So in that moment, that food is serving a purpose to help them survive those difficult times. So I invite you to, you know, dig into if you find yourself like constantly coming back to this one type of food or finding that it's harder to move past some fuck it eating with a certain type of food to uncover like what is the story around that food? Not only why is that food delicious and satisfying to go and eat and why are you drawn to it more frequently? But to answer those questions is think back to when were you having that food somewhat regularly in your past and how was it helping you cope with the situation or celebrate a situation? Is that food helping you return to good memories or does, did that food help you cope with a difficult time in your childhood? And so now when you have a difficult time in your adult life, you go back to that same food to help you deal with a difficult time. So I hope that makes sense. As always, you're welcome to email me at alpinenutrition.org to ask questions on this. It is a super individual process. It's really nuanced to discover satisfaction with food and the emotional component that can be tied up with food. And moving through these stages of intuitive eating, moving through the fuck it eating stage and on into body respecting and gentle nutrition. And really this getting at the nitty gritty behind satisfaction, behind emotional coping, behind the stories that come with why we eat the way we do and the foods that we eat, we, that is really an important part of you being able to fully move into this uh, stage of healing your relationship with food in your body. So with that, like I said, next week, we will be back with another interview and we will start rounding out this first season of the Savor Food and Body podcast. Thank you so much for all of you that have been listening over these past, gosh, nine, 10 months, almost a year. It's a lot of fun to put this together for you and I'm looking forward to season two. So don't be a stranger, stay in touch, and I will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening today. If you found this episode helpful, leave a five-star review and subscribe. Doing so helps others find the show too. And if you're ready to start savoring food in your body, download the six strategies to live your healthiest life without diet culture. You'll also get a weekly-ish newsletter with more insights, strategies, and the occasional recipe to make savoring food and your body even easier. Go to alpinenutrition.org O-R-G, and click the banner at the top of the page to download the strategies and get the newsletter today. Until next time, keep savoring food and your body.